Chapter Six of Child Life in Colonial Days by Alice Morse Earle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. School Books The most worthless book of a bygone day is a record worthy of preservation. Like a telescopic star, its obscurity may render it unavailable for most purposes, but it serves in hands which know how to use it to determine the places of more important bodies. By A. de Morgan, eighteen forty seven. When any scholar could advance beyond hornbook and primer, he was ready for grammar. This was not English grammar, but Latin, and the boy usually began to study it long before he had any book to con. A bulky and wretched grammar called Lilies was most popular in England. Locke said the study of it was a religious observance without which no scholar was orthodox. It named twenty-five different kinds of nouns and devoted twenty-two pages of solid print to declensions of nouns. It gave seven genders with fifteen pages of rules for genders and exceptions under such a regime we can sympathize with nash's outburst syntaxes and prosodia you are tormentors of wit and good-for-nothing but to get schoolmasters twopence a week it was said of ezekiel cheever the old boston schoolmaster who taught for over seventy years he taught us lily and he gospel-taught, but he also wrote a Latin grammar of his own, Cheever's Accidents, which had unvarying popularity for over a century. Cheever was a thorough grammarian. Cotton Mather thus eulogized him. Were grammar quite extinct, yet at his brain the candle might have well been lit again there was brought forth at his death a broadside entitled the grammarian's funeral a facsimile of it is here given josiah quincy later in life the president of harvard college wrote an account of his dismal school life at andover he entered the school when he was six years old and on the form by his side sat a man of thirty. Both began Cheever's accidents and committed to memory pages of a book which the younger child certainly could not understand, and no advance was permitted till the first book was conquered. He studied through the book twenty times before mastering it. The hours of studied were long, eight hours a day and this upon lessons absolutely meaningless the custom was in boston until this century 
to study through the grammar three times before any application to parsing far better wit than any found in an old-time jest-book was the subtitle of a very turgid latin grammar a delicious syrup newly clarified for young scholars that thirst for the sweet liquor of latin speech the first english grammar used in boston public schools and retained in use till this century was the young lady's accidents or a short and easy introduction to english grammar designed principally for the use of young learners more especially for those of the fair sex though proper for either it is said that a hundred thousand copies of it were sold it was a very little grammar about four or five inches long and two or three wide and had only fifty-seven pages but it was a very good little grammar when compared with its fellows being simple and clearly worded the fashion of the day was to set everything in rhyme as an aid to memory and even so unpoetical a subject as english grammar did not escape the rhyming writer in the grammar of the english tongue a large and formidable book in fine type all the rules and lists of exceptions and definitions were in verse a single specimen of the definition of a letter will show the best style of composition which when it struggled with moods and tenses was absolutely meaningless a letter is an uncompounded sound of which there no division can be found those sounds to certain characters we fix which in the english tongue are twenty-six the spelling of that day was wildly varied dilworth's speller was one of the earliest used and the spelling in it differed much from that of the british instructor a third edition of the child's new spelling book was published in seventeen forty four famous english lesson books known among common folk as reader made easies and book traders as reading easies really reading made easy belied their name some had alphabets on two pages because one alphabet is commonly worn out before the scholar is perfect in his letters it is interesting to find poor richard's sayings in these english books but it is natural too when we consider franklin's popularity abroad and know that broadsides printed with his pithy and worldly wise maxims were found hanging on the wall of many an english cottage not until the days of noah webster and his famous spelling-book and dictionary was there any decided uniformity of spelling professor earle says the process of compelling a uniform spelling is a strife against nature certainly it took a long struggle 
against nature to make spelling uniform in america in the same letter men of high education would spell the same words several different ways there was no better usage in england the edition of milton's paradise lost printed in sixteen eighty eight shows some very grotesque spelling therefore it is not strange to find a new york teacher advertising to teach writing and spilling readers note spelled writing w r i t e i n g and spelling s p i l l i n g to show that a fetish was made of spelling seventy-five years ago i give this extract from a danbury school notice Quote, the advantages that small children obtain at this school may be easily imagined when the public are informed that those who spell go through the whole of webster's spelling book twice a fortnight Close quote. the teaching of spelling in many schools was peculiar the master gave out the word with a blow of his strap on the desk as a signal for all to start together and the whole class spelled out the word in syllables in chorus the teacher's ear was so trained and acute that he at once detected any misspelling if this happened he demanded the name of the scholar who made the mistake if there was any hesitancy or refusal in acknowledgment he kept the whole class until by repeated trials of long words accuracy was obtained the roar of many voices of the large school all pitched in different keys could be heard on summer days for a long distance in many country schools the scholars not only spelled aloud but studied all their lessons aloud as children in oriental countries do to-day and the teacher was quick to detect any lowering of the volume of sound and would reprove any child who was studying silently sometimes the combined roar of voices became offensive to the neighbors of the school and restraining votes were passed at town meetings the colonial school and schoolmaster took a firm stand on ciphering Quote, the bible and figures is all i want my boys to know Unquote. said an old farmer arithmetic was usually taught without textbooks teachers had manuscript sum books from which they gave out rules and problems in arithmetic to their scholars abraham lincoln learned arithmetic from a sum book of which he made a neat copy a page from this sum book is here given in reduced size too often these sums were copied by the pupil without any explanation of the process being offered or rendered by the master the artist trumbull recalled that he spent three weeks unaided in any way over a single sum in long division a manuscript sum book in my possession is marked sarah keeler her book 
May ye first, A.D. seventeen seventy three, Ridgebury. There are multiplication examples of fifteen figures multiplied by fifteen, and long division examples of a dividend of quintillions, chiefly in sevens and nines, divided by a mixed divisor of billions in eights and fives a thing to make poor sarah turn in her grave there are reductions ascending and reductions descending and reductions both ascending and descending at the same time as complicated as the computations of the revolutions of the celestial spheres there are miserable catch examples about people's ages and others about collections of excises with proofs quote, and still others about i know not what for there are within their borders mysterious abbreviations and signs like some black magic sainted sarah keeler a melancholy sympathy settles on me as i regard this book and all the extended sums you knew and think of the paths of pleasantness of the present pupil of kindergartens and wonder what kind of mathematical song or game or allegory could be invented to disguise these very quote, plain figures sometimes a zealous teacher would write out tables of measures and a few blind rules for his scholars this amateur arithmetic would be copied and recopied until it was punctuated with mistakes many scholars never saw a printed arithmetic and when the master had one for circulation it was scarcely more helpful than the sum book one of the most ancient arithmetics was written by the mathematician record who lived from the year fifteen hundred to fifteen fifty eight he is said to have invented the sign of equality but there is nothing in his book to indicate this fact the terms are symmetric and ogrime readers note that's spelt a u g r i m e are used in it instead of arithmetic many curious and obsolete rules are given among them the golden rule the rule of falsehood the redeeming of pawns of games readers note that's spelled g e a m s the backer rule of thirds here is a simple problem under the latter i need to lend my friend three-fourths of a portuguese seven months upon promise that he should do as much for me again and when i should borrow of him he could lend me but five-twelfths of a portuguese now i demand how long time i must keep his money in just recompense of my loan accounting thirteen months in the year rhyme is used in this book in dialogues between the master and the scholar 
copies of cocker's arithmetic are said to be very rare in england but i have seen several in america an edition was published in philadelphia in seventeen seventy nine the frontpiece of english and american editions shows the picture of the mathematicians surrounded by a wreath of laurel with the droll apostrophe ingenious cocker now to rest thou gone no art can show thee fully but thine own thy rare arithmetic alone can show what vast sums of thanks we for thy labor owe ingenious cocker as one would say most noble shakespeare it is hard indeed to idealize or write poetical tributes to one by the name of cocker it gives us a sense of pleasant familiarity with any one to know that he is well acquaint with one of our intimate friends so i feel much drawn to ingenious cocker by knowing that he was well known of sam pepys he was a writing-master and did some mighty fine engraving for pepys who calls him ingenuous not ingenious it is rather a facer to learn from the notes in the diary that cocker had nothing whatever to do with his arithmetic which was a forgery by john hawkins the age that would rhyme a grammar would rhyme arithmetic and records example was followed and enlarged upon thomas hiles published one in sixteen twenty the art of vulgar arithmetic written in dialogue with the rules and theorems in verse this is an example of his poesy the partition of a shilling into its aliquote parts a farthing first find forty-eight a halfpenny hopes for twenty-four three farthings seek out sixteen straight a penny pulls a dozen lower dick danny pratt drew eight out dead two pence took six and went his way tom trip a go with four is fled but goodman groat on three doth stay a testern only two doth take mo parts a shilling cannot make in sixteen thirty three nicholas hunt added to his rules and tables an arithmetic rhythmical or the handmaid's song of numbers which rhymes are simply unspeakable these attempts did not end with the seventeenth century in eighteen o one richard bice had a tutor's guide with problems in rhyme when first the marriage knot was tied between my wife and me my age did hers as far exceed as three times three does three but when ten years and a half ten years we man and wife had been her age came up as near to mine as eight is to sixteen now tell me pray what were our ages on our wedding day 
the earliest date of the old rhyme thirty days hat september april june and november february eight and twenty alone all the rest thirty and one is given by hallowell as sixteen thirty three i have found it in an old arithmetic printed in london in fifteen ninety six the lines beginning multiplication is a vexation are not an outburst of modern students they are found in a manuscript dated fifteen seventy circa multiplication is me vexation and division quite as bad the golden rule is me stumbling rule and practice makes me mad after the revolution in new and zealous americanism textbooks by american authors outsold english books the blue-back spelling book of noah webster drove perry and dilworth from the field bingham and webster took advantage of the need of suitable school books and divided the field between them webster's spelling book outstripped bingham's child's companion but bingham's readers such as the american preceptor and the columbian orator held their ground against webster's not one of bingham's books proved a failure the columbian orator contained seven extracts from speeches of pitt in opposition to the measures of george the third it had speeches by fox and sheridan part of the address of the fa part of the address of president carnot at the establishment of the french republic and the famous speech of colonel barry on the stamp act nicholas pike of newburyport massachusetts wrote an arithmetic that routed the english books of cocker and hoder it was studied by many persons now living it had three hundred and sixty-three barren rules and not a single explanation of one of them many of them would now be wholly unintelligible to scholars though no more antiquated than are the methods for instance this rule in tar and tret deduct the tar and tret divide the subtle by amount given the quotient will be the cloth which subtract from the subtle the remainder will be the neat the tables of measures were longer than ours to-day in measuring liquids were used the terms anchors tons readers note t u n s butts b u t t s tierces t i e r c e s kilderkins k i l d e r k i n s firkins f i r k i n s puncheons p-u-n-c-h-e-o-n-s etc in dry measure were pottles p-o-t-t-l-e-s strikes s-t-r-i-k-e-s combs c-o-o-m-s quarters ways w-e-y-s lasts l-a-s-t-s
Examples in currency were in pounds, shillings, and pence, and doubtless helped to retain the use of these terms in daily trade long after dollars had been coined in America. This labored book, aided by the flattering testimonial of Governor Bowden, of the President of Harvard, Yale, and Dartmouth Colleges, and of that idealized American, George Washington, gained wide acceptance. I have examined with care a Wingate's arithmetic printed in 1620, which was used for over a century in the Winslow family in Massachusetts. Pythagoras, his table, is of course our multiplication table. Then comes the rule of three, the golden rule, the rule of fellowship, the rule of false, etc., etc., ending with pastimes, a collection of pleasant and polite questions to exercise all the parts of vulgar arithmetic. Here is one. This problem is usually propounded in this manner, viz. Fifteen Christians and fifteen Turks being at sea in one and the same ship in a terrible storm, and the pilot declaring a necessity of casting the one half of those persons into the sea, that the rest might be saved. They all agree that the persons to be cast away should be set out by lot after this manner, viz., the thirty persons should be placed in a round form like a ring and then beginning to count at one of the passengers and proceeding circularly every ninth person should be cast into the sea until of the thirty persons there remain only fifteen the question is how those thirty persons ought to be placed that the lot might infallibly fall upon the fifteen turks and not upon any of the fifteen Christians. For the more easy remembering of the rule to resolve this question shall presuppose the five vowels A, E, I, O, U, to signify five numbers to wit, A1, E2, I3, O4, and U5. Then will the rule itself be briefly comprehended in these two following verses. From numbers, aid, and art, never will fame depart. In which verses you are principally to observe the vowels with their correspondent numbers before assigned, and then beginning with the Christians, the vowel O, in from signify that the four Christians are to be placed together, Next unto them, the vowel U in number signify the five Turks are to be placed. In like manner, E in BERS denoteth two Christians, A in aid, one Turk, I in aid, three Christians, A in and, one Turk, A in art, one Christian, E in NE, two Turks, E in VER, two Christians, I in Will, three Turks, A in Fame, one Christian, E in Fame, two Turks. 
e in d e two christians a in part one turk the invention of this said rule and such like depended upon the subsequent demonstration viz if the number of persons be thirty let the thirty figures or ciphers be placed circularly or else in a right line as you see readers note here is a line of zeros no doubt representing the places close readers note i trust the little winslows and their neighbors understood this sum and its explanation and that the christians were all saved and the turks were all drowned geography was an accomplishment rather than a necessary study and was spoken of as a diversion for a winter's evening many objections were made that it took the scholars attention away from quote, ciphering it was not taught in the elementary schools till this century morse's geography was not written till after the revolution it had a mean little map of the united states only a few inches square on it all the land west of the mississippi river was called louisiana and nearly all north of the ohio river the northwestern territory small as the book was and meagre as was its information many of its pages were devoted to short stilted dialogues between a teacher and pupil in which the scholar was made to say such priggish sentences quote, i am very thankful sir for your entertaining instruction and i shall never forget what you have been telling me quote, i long sir for to-morrow to come that i may hear more of your information quote, i am truly delighted sir with the account you have given me of my country i wish sir it may be agreeable to you to give me a more particular description of the united states quote, i hope sir i have a due sense of your goodness to me i have sir very cheerfully and i trust very profitably attended your instructions End quote. A rather amusing geographical catechism was published in 1796 by Reverend Henry Patilo, a Presbyterian minister of North Carolina for the use of the university students. It is properly and presbyterianly religious. It gives this explanation of comets. Their uses are mere conjecture some judge them the seats of punishment where sinners suffer the extremes of heat and cold mr whiston says a comet approaching the sun brushed the earth with its tail and caused the deluge and that another will cause the conflagration let us not be too eager to jeer at these ancient schoolbooks pope wrote nearly two centuries ago Quote, still is tomorrow wiser than today we think our fathers fools so wise we grow our wiser sons no doubt will think us so Unquote. 
perhaps the series of textbooks which have chased each other in and out of our nineteenth-century public schools under the successive boards of commissioners and school committees who have also flashed briefly on our educational horizon may cut no better figure two centuries hence than do those of lily pike and cocker End of chapter 6